Welcome to Dungeons and Designers, a podcast where visual communicators communicate without visuals. I'm your DM, Will Churn. Let's get rolling. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to the next episode of Dungeons and Designers. Um, today, we're going to do something a little bit differently for episode nine. We're going to try to do a recap uh, so that everyone who's new to the show can start here rather than starting at episode one. Um, in episode 10, things are going to change quite a bit just because of where our players are at situationally. Um, so I think it's a really good time that we can look back, see what our players have done, see the character development, see the personalities that have been growing, and then kind of kickstart for the next episode. Um, I'm here again with Zach, Courtney, and Dan. Uh, no guests hey. today because they don't have a backstory. We usually kill them. <laughs> so before we get all the way into it, I'm just going to reread what we had the first paragraph, how we started everything. So we're going to go all the way back to episode one um, and just share the setting again of this world that we're starting to build together. I wonder how much I've forgotten of it. I know. that's. Yeah. I'm also excited. So when I did the recap, I only wrote down what I remembered after looking at the titles of each episode. So I'm very excited to see like what you guys remembered versus what was important to me because I bet it's very different. <laughs> I don't even remember from episode to episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see how this goes. Dan will be like, mm, I was in the shadows for that one, I know. <laughs> I remember there was a giraffe. <laughs> I was going to say, no, there wasn't, but <laughs> there was. <laughs> All right, so um, episode one started out with, our players live in a nation called Jusky. Hundreds of years ago, a group of sorcerers felt a disturbance coming from unfamiliar planes, and in response, they had ships crafted and set sail heading south through the Fief Sea. Uh, they brought along those they called the Chosen. As the mages crossed the sea, they cast a barrier of immense waves and violent storms to keep whatever was coming from spreading past the shores. Soon after their departure, Jusky was overthrown with evil. New beings and once peaceful creatures turned on each other, and since the calamity, the intelligent creatures of this land have banded together for survival. In an effort to cleanse their home and return to the way it once was, they are now living in peace. To this day, the Fief Sea is still uncrossable. Out of all the inhabitants, the Puxi, a goblin tribe, has earned a highly respected position in society. They have done so by crafting new ways of blacksmithing and creating highly sought-after items and structures. Though the Puxi have been renowned crafters, they are also known for their reckless behavior and inability to comprehend consequences. This can be most seen in their home nestled within Mount Midten, and around 100 years ago, uh, what was once the highest peak in all of Jusky collapsed within itself after the goblins had mined out too much of what was supporting the peak. The collapse killed thousands of goblins and destroyed their old forge. But after rebuilding from the rubble, they now have what is known as the best forge in Jusky. So you guys kind of remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember really... thinking you said mitten for about five episodes. Mitten. Uh, mid ten. <laughs> you just said it again. Mid ten. Mid ten. <laughs> I think I saw you write it down at one point, and I'm like, okay, so it's not M I T T E N. Yeah. So most of my names, especially for like towns and stuff, are just like different languages explaining what that thing is. So I believe mid ten is middle, in maybe Norwegian. I can't remember which language I pulled for that one. <laughs> But not mitten. That would be awkward. <laughs> so after all of that, of um, we kind of introduce your characters. Um, we've got Fennec, 
who's a artificer, Azhag, who is, are you a ranger? Yeah. And then Courtney is a bard, uh, playing with her spoons and cowbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, for our first campaign, we we're joined by Stephanie. Uh, I believe she played a druid whose name I can't remember. <laughs> um, but our campaign was right. Yeah, <laughs> our campaign started in mid ten, and the Pooksy Goblins, which is the Pooksy capital, um, and it's the home of the renowned forge, which we already discussed. On what appeared to be a normal day, a man kicked down the door of the forge and started slaughtering <laughs> the goblins, cutting through one after another like butter. Um, Hold on. You're forgetting yeah. a very important part of this story. What was the very important part? The door fell onto a goblin that you named Zit. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and then Zit popped I forgot about everywhere. That. The yeah. door popped Zit. That's right. Very enthusiastic. Our, uh, <laughs> we have a high standard of comedy here, don't we? <laughs> Um, upper echelon so after there's a lot of preparation that went into that joke oh yeah at least <laughs> at least three minutes of me chuckling to myself <laughs> <laughs> so after zip got popped and you guys um battled this man uh you eventually took him down uh as he fell his sword went loose another goblin picked it up and his hands were burned by touching it that's when we introduced nesma who is kind of like the old sage of these people or these goblins she carefully picked it up in a cloth, tossed it into the forge, and as it burned, it exploded in, in the flames. Um, I believe at this point you guys learned who the Torchblade were and that they're a faction from the north. Um, well, I would love one of you to explain what you guys think the Torchblade are right now. Because in my head, I've been writing this, so I know who they are. But I'd be very interested I, to see what you guys think. I don't have a solid idea of what their motivation is but the more we go the less i think they are intrinsically evil and we're just locked into like the age-old battle of humans versus goblins and just seeing it from the other side yeah i can see that i think there's um something to be said of like if you look at it um the other perspective, it seems as though most of what we do is not all that good. Um, so that would not be ideal. But I guess, I don't know. You always think you're the good guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's very interesting because um, I've been like, the Torchblade have always been like pretty bad in my head. But it's interesting to see that like, you guys could be the bad ones. Because <laughs> you are the goblins. Um Let's see. So that was episode one. You guys, the main part of it was introducing the setting and then killing this first man who had broken into your forge and started killing you. Well, I'll say this too, just to emphasize it more. Less that we're the bad guys and more of like a watchman idea of there are no heroes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So everybody's out for something. It seemed like they yeah. were after our resources to fight some kind of whatever their motivation was. We just got in the way. They were using us. <laughs> yeah, because we're making cool magic shit that we haven't seen them be able to make or use on their own. Yeah. But then in the last episode, there are a bunch of goblin children scared in a cave underground. So. Oh, yeah, and we will, we will get there. <laughs> six of one, half a dozen of the other, right? Right. So in episode two, um, 
Nazvit is the head goblin of the Pusi. He sends you guys to go check on an agricultural village. Um, before that, he gives you guys a kind of metal cart that is powered by this thunderstone that you guys put in the front of it. It's an orb. Thunderstone. So it does have a name. Yeah, no, name. that's the first time I've said it or thought it. I've been thinking about <laughs> buying Pokemon, so that's on my head. <laughs> Make sure you don't, you don't do it too quick, though, because then your Pikachu doesn't get agility. That's right. <laughs> and then with another Thunderbolt, Raichu. <laughs> Such a good shot. <laughs> so, back to our show. <laughs> we can talk about Pokemon for a we long time. Too yeah. long? <laughs> um, so after you guys get this metal car, you guys are sent out to go check on this agricultural village. Um, what I remember is that Fennec kind of took reins of it because he's the artificer and this kind of makes sense for his role. Um, you guys crashed into some trees and then eventually ran into um, a giant centipede type creature. And this was the introduction to like what the calamity is causing around you. In mid ten, you guys are safe because that's your homes. But like once you leave, um, you can start seeing like the effects and why people would have left Joski before the calamity happened. Um, you fight the the centipede guys. You get to the village. You eventually get inside the gate to find that it's completely abandoned and that the buildings have been ransacked. Uh, before you guys get too far, though, the torch blade um, sets a bunch of hounds on you. And then I wrote down here, after a rash decision by Fennec, half our party found themselves nearing death as they lay unconscious in a field now burning, but also next yeah. to a bunch of dead dogs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds right. Um, that was a weird moment. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> So after regaining consciousness, you search the village, finding it ransacked and abandoned until you hear the sounds of yelling from behind the town and with that sounds of an electric train gearing up. You run over to see the entire village of goblins crammed into these metal carts. You all stop the train, took out the soldiers, and saved the goblins of this village. Kind of your second heroic act in this campaign. Second with an asterisk next to it. <laughs> Is there anything you guys remember from episode two? Or was that pretty pretty just normal? I think that was the first time we had seen the carts. Like these massive yeah. carts with people inside that we had to stop. Yeah, and I guess that is like kind of interesting. Um, when I was writing this campaign, the Ebron books came out, which is the official D&D setting, where it's kind of like a magical version of steampunk, where everything's run on magic, and you can have things like cars and trains and um so i guess that's not like a super normal part planes, of dnd planes trains and automobiles <laughs> well let, let me ask cast you a behind the scene question really quick because yeah. i think that kind of lends itself to it um before we had started the show when you were first pitching it to it it was kind you kind of were like there's going to be goblins they're all idiots it's just going to be like a goblin wood chipper if you will, mm -hmm. just throwing stuff in there and need you guys to make three or four different goblins we're going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and then about, I think I have four characters in the reserve. Just, yeah. <laughs> just for that little peek backstage. Um, and then three days before we started, Rise of Eberron came out. I'm like, hey, can I play an artificer? Right. And you're like, yes. Yeah, and I had it. been looking at that book 
and like seeing what they were doing for quite a while. So how much of that initial idea of a bunch of idiots running around just killing each other is part of the story? How much of that shifted because that book came out and I asked to play that role or were you already? So I knew, I knew magic and it's kind of um, industrialization was going to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, because it plays a major role in this story arc that I've got going. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of like the, the turn of the century, or the industrialization of the world too, right? Like things just changed when that happened. Right. Um, so you having an artificer changed a little bit because then I could write that into the culture of the Pooksy a little bit more. But I knew there were going to be like magic items and magic cars and um, a little bit more metal work than just normal like horse-drawn buggies. Yeah, I think the big difference that happened didn't have to do with you being an artificer, but how, like in the first two episodes, I think every one of you went unconscious at least three or four times. Like it was, except for Azhag maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like we were rolling death saving throws a lot. Yeah. Um, and like with the good rolls, you guys didn't actually die, which is really great for you, right? Now that you guys are all level... Three, Three, four, two. or that's f- fine. That's whatever. Yeah, I don't want you to die. Whatever. <laughs> but like, now that you're all three, four, or five, like it's gonna be harder to kill your characters because they're, you know, a better, but b there's like an attachment to them. Right. So we'll see. Um, as we exit, exit uh, episode eight and enter into like this kind of second half of the campaign, um, it'll be interesting to see like how you guys survive coming up against these things that you don't maybe don't expect. Um, so all your old goblins will be pretty worthless now right because we would introduce a new character at the level we're at yeah but they could still come in handy (laughs) i think this was the part where i was i would have begun to get not upset with you but i would have been more if a character had died now because that felt no then at that point at least for fennec like destroy with the fire bolt casting off to as he freaked out mm. like um i'm new to playing D. this is yeah. the first campaign i had done and i've listened to other podcasts and watched other people play it and always been interested in reddit so i had this idea in my head that you had to come with this pre-built fully loaded character and know every aspect of their background and all of their history or it wasn't going to work and make sense. And in that moment, that broke. Yeah. I think that was the first time it started to break. That and then what happened at the beginning of episode three with your response in character to what he had done. Right. I'm like, oh, okay. Some of this background stuff makes sense, but it's got to be way more loosey-goosey than I've been holding on to it. Yeah, and I think out of everyone, you definitely like you got really excited to play and you sent me like that page backstory. And I was like, cool, dude. It'll like kind of fit in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then right. Dan, who's been playing D&D as long as I have, he, I was like, hey, you need a character. And he just gave me stats. And he was like, we'll figure out the rest later. And I was like, yeah, like that makes sense because of like how, our experience with D&D. And I think, Courtney, you were like a little bit in the middle. Like you had a little bit yeah. of personality stuff figured out. I don't think you had shared at least much of the backstory. Um. But you do learn like D and D has is notorious for killing level one and two characters. Like it's just uh-huh. it's very easy to go down as you guys experienced because you know one good hit could knock you out. 
Right. Um, Especially as goblins. Yeah, but even like as a human, like you might have, you know, four or five more health. But if you go up against like a squad of people and you don't like think three, you're just like I'm going to hit them with my sword, kind of like a video game. Mm-hmm. They're going to hit back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we have always been good <clears throat> at making character choices. I think, like, especially Dan, like in character, really, like yeah, yeah. It's like I know this would be fun, or this doesn't make, but this is what they would do and then do it that way. Yeah. And I think that was an important part of you kind of attacking the group with that fire in tall grass. Like a lot of listeners could be like, that was really dumb. Like, of course he's going to like set everything on fire, but as like the goblin and living this life of a goblin, like that makes sense. Like you saw a problem and you solved it. Not thinking about what could happen after. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's like the whole point of, really diving into your alignment and like that's where the background comes in is how you're making decisions as somebody you know as a character you're playing not as like a metagame person playing a character and so like right you know doing that work of background and saying okay oh you know what you know i had a problem with this religious sect in my old town and that's why i have a really anger with you know, religious zealots or like X, Y, and Z, like what leads your character to make the decisions he makes or she makes is important. Um, and that's where that stuff comes from. Like, you don't, and that's where you can fo- kind of form it in progress and, and form it as you go through the game, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, so, Zach, you had said you, you hadn't really played, but you watched. Courtney, what was your experience with DD before we started? I played a couple of tabletop games, but mainly was more into the mechanics of video game logic sure. and that kind of translates to D and D, but I'd never, I might have done like, um, you know, those like mystery things where you have a bunch of people gather in one room and everyone's playing a part. You mean a like, murder mystery, a murder mystery. <laughs> I'd done one of those, but I'd say the biggest, uh, thing that I'm going or like, not, what do I say? The struggle that I have most part is acting in character. That's been an interesting uh, thing to do for me. So, like, I can think through, yeah, like, I'm going to hit this person and then this will happen. But there's that layer on top of making a good story that's acting, basically. Yeah, like improv. Improv, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not just, like, a good story, but, like, keeping your character consistent. So, like, as a DM or as a listener, like, when I give you guys a situation... Like, I can almost guess what you're going to do. <laughs> but you also, there's, like, the ability to surprise and be like, you're right, like, Yola might do that instead. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of times that that's happened, it's, like, whenever you try to be friends with people, like, you're killing in a room, and you're like, Yola's going to, like, see if they can not kill this guy. And I'm always just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's become a thing now where it makes sense, where it's just, like, Yola doesn't necessarily want to kill these people, even if it doesn't make sense for her. Like, it's just part of who she is. Right. I think you've done a really good job finding that voice in the last three or four episodes, especially since the one-on-one that you guys had. Oh, good. It's been fun to flesh out. Yeah, improving. It's basically like we're writing a narrative, but in real time. You can do a, a little bit of prep, but it's still not going to happen exactly how you planned. So that moment in episode, was it two or three? Which moment? With the fire and then him yeah. getting mm-hmm. in trouble. Yeah, too. You're getting ready to tell the part about him getting in trouble. That was the part where I was like, that's where it clicked for me that it's that living, flowing narrative that Courtney just mentioned. Yeah. All right, so, episode three. Well, no, just like with that in mind, 
um, when I was preparing this, it was my first time DMing. Like I've played a lot of D and I just never DM'd. And everything I read was just like, don't plan too far. <laughs> like it's not worth uh -huh. it because like the players will always change things. So like I had ideas of what was going to happen after episode one and two, but the fact that like you destroyed what was the food crop of this village, like mm -hmm. that meant the story had to change because there had to be a reaction to your actions. And I think it's the same, like every action I take, your players are a reaction to that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Which in episode three, uh, due to the fields being burned in the party's last adventure, Nazvit sends them to a lake town to try and get a supply of food that can hold them over until they can reestablish their farms. Here you meet the son of a longtime friend. This was when we were joined by Noah, who played Red, who was a teen of the fishing village that had a British accent and drank a bit too much. You <laughs> first saw him being picked on by some bandits, which you guys did save him from. But then I also, if my memory serves, you guys also tried to rob him. <laughs> we did. I, Dan took some things from him. Yeah. I think we got some fishing lures. Did you Shiny get a bubbles. gem too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like yeah. that was very interesting. Because all of a sudden, like you kind of see like your 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 personalities evolving where you're gonna save him, but like not for free. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, let us help you up like while we're pickpocketing him. <laughs> And uh, Noah was really fun because he was an intern at my last church in Jersey before I moved. And he was like, he's a student designer and uh, he was like a really friend personality, like way different than anyone else that worked where we worked. And uh, I was like, hey, you want to play D&D? He's like, yeah, I've been playing since I watched Stranger Things. <laughs> so he, he had played like twice with his brothers, but like not really. And I remember when he started playing, like when he first opened his mouth and it was like this fake British accent. <laughs> It's so good. I lost it. <laughs> I remember like muting myself because I was laughing so hard. Um, I think this came up. I'm gonna ask you another behind the scenes question if yeah. you don't mind. No, go for Just it. Because you're talking about him. I don't know how much you were able to do this with Steph in the second episode because the story was new. Mm -hmm. But uh, starting with Noah and Steph, if you did, and going forward, how much do you feed the guests before they start? That's a good question. Um, so Steph had no feeding. It was just like, you're going to be a part of these goblins when this happens. Um, so she's like, make a goblin. Uh, she asked me what class to play. And I just told her like what you guys were playing so that we didn't have, like first episode, we didn't have two artificers because that'd be boring. Right. Um, two bards would have been Or ridiculous. it would be not boring. <laughs> yeah. <our> <laughs> Competition. <laughs> I, do th I do think like if I was to redo episode one and two again, I would encourage her to be something other than a druid because druids are just kind of boring at level one. Like they really start getting good at like level three and five. Hey, she's one that hasn't died. So who's to say she won't come back? That's like so. very true. <laughs> um, but like, and that would like, I, if she had fun, it's great. And she fit in the story. Like it all worked. Like she, she was able to play that role as her character. But my goal is for you guys to all have as much fun as you can. And maybe one of my things should have just been like, don't play Druid for the first level because the payoff comes down the road for that class. Um, Noah, I was like, hey, you're going to be this dude's son that they're going to eventually need to find. And that was it. <laughs> uh, I didn't know his name. I didn't know. Yeah, he. so I, I was like, hey, you're going to be this guy's, uh, I don't remember his first name, but his last name was Greenhand. I was like, you're going to be his son. You're going to help him them find him. So I don't even ask the characters' names until they show up. <laughs> nice. So he shows up. I was like, I'm going to be red. I was like, red, green hand? He's like, 
yeah, is that okay? <laughs> and I was just like, I guess so. And then the British accent on top of that, like, I don't, I don't care what they do. So they just come and do whatever they want. Right. Yeah. But then to add to the confusion, <laughs> the enemies we were fighting that day were all so different colors. colors. Oh, oh that's gosh. right. <laughs> I, yeah. I still have like on my character sheet somewhere like a list of colored arrows that I still have. Yeah. That's but right. who's going to remember what they do, Will? Oh, I didn't make that up, actually. It's in the book. I know, but I'm going to pull them out. And, and I'll have to go <laughs> look it up. You're going to be like, wait a second. <laughs> You'll hear me flipping through the book. <laughs> um, so, yeah, actually, so that leads us right into it. After you guys play around in the town, which a little behind the scenes, again, that town was so fleshed out. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and you popped into the store that had like a whole backstory to it and then popped right back out because he was a born oh, nerd. Called him a nerd and left. <laughs> and it's also your te- it's your store, like with your branding all over it. So yeah. So, so for people who are listening and don't know, uh I have a website called Two Rocks R O C S, like the birds. And that name came from the store that I wrote in this campaign. I was like, I'm just gonna have it be my store too. So that there's the um, gnome who runs that store, who's got like an extremely like bigger backstory than any of you guys do. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I packed that store specifically with items that I knew you guys would need in that cave. <laughs> yeah, and I learned then, a lot this episode too. And then the tower in the center had like a whole religion based in it for fishing that you guys didn't go in at all. Um, there's like a few things, like there's buildings like you guys didn't even try to go in, which partially is probably my fault, right? For not encouraging you guys to go in there. Um, but it worked out. You guys made your way through, you got your boat. I don't remember how you did that, but I remember being really stupid. <laughs> um, Noah just gave it to us. He did a lot of good improv. <laughs> yeah. Talked the guy who owned it into letting him borrow it so he could save his dad who would pay him back. But yeah. this was after I bought a fishing rod, right. <laughs> copper I disguised as gold, to go outside and realize that there was six fishing rods in the cart already. So that was like another thing about Noah too. Like all that info that he shared about like the town or about his family or about him, he was just improving on the spot. Oh, I didn't. That's so awesome. So I remember, I think it was like Dan or maybe it was uh, Zach after we were like, did you give him all that? I was like, no, dude. Like you just made all that up on the spot. I just went with it. <laughs> so great. he was super fun i want him back on eventually because it was just a blast yeah he was funny um so you guys leave the town you find tracks that lead into the woods and in those woods you start in um finding these big frog people uh and the way they're described they're kind of like those poison dart frogs like very bright colors um but not as big as like other species of frogs they're kind of small for a frog um you go through you make your way into the cave there's a lot of fighting in there, a little bit more like traditional dungeon delving for D&D. Um, you guys eventually get some magic chalk and some other items within that cave. And then you make your way into like the final boss room where you see Red's dad tied up to a sacrificial table and a giant red newt like lurking above him. This is one of my favorite villains so far, by the way. This is a great boss. Yeah, so I think this was in episode four. It was like the first big boss and i think i've done this tried to do this in most of them it's like every couple episodes have like some sort of boss yeah. um 
So this red newt, his arms and legs turned into almost tentacle spears and went into the ground and like lifted him like stilts into the air. And then the room filled with gas. You guys used the chalk to make a portal to get closer to the newt. And then you guys kind of whacked out his legs until he fell that was, and killed him. That was really funny to go back and listen to. I, I've listened to every episode, maybe not recently, but like probably the day or two after you release them, I go back and try to listen. And... Fennec opens the portal and is just like, hey, there's a portal. And everyone just keeps running around probably for like 10 minutes. It's yeah, very... taking damage each turn. Yeah. Which I think is like it's learning for both of us, right? Like I knew you guys needed that chalk to like help you get around this big room quicker. Um, kind of like a little micro puzzle within a battle. And you guys knew you were taking damage, but like to get your mind to think like a game or think like D&D to be like, oh, obviously i got this how do i use it now which you guys are much better at like you're you're progressively oh. like starting to think that way you just remind me of, i think this is part of when what the torch blade are in my head started to shift because i think noah asked you where these frog things came from mm -hmm. and you said that they had mutated because of some force and they hadn't always been like that and it happened mm -hmm. recently okay I'm like, okay there's this other force Maybe the other guys are like preparing to fight these guys. Like the torch is going to fight these now giant creatures. Mm. And we're just in the middle or something. That's where that started to. Sure. That's fair. Shift. Yeah. That uh. also makes, uh, this is kind of a side point, but whenever I see uh, things in a store or things in a chest, um, me as a player knows that they're probably going to be important at some point. <laughs> the potion but store. <laughs> yes, but me as a character doesn't care. Sure. <laughs> so I don't know uh, if any of us do care, but I know that Dan's character likes to take whatever he can find. So I usually <laughs> rely on that's going to happen. Yeah, which but, you'll, you'll see that happens a couple more times. We're currently like at the halfway point of our pre-recorded episodes. Mm -hmm. And it has to, like two or three more times we're going to see like Azhag trying to steal something. <laughs> Yeah, like it's a ruby. It'll come in handy somehow. <laughs> I actually was uh, going to, yesterday, Will and I were talking, and I was like, oh, I have some notes like that. I just want to go over some stuff for the show, maybe. And I was like, oh, wait, sorry. This is a whole list of the crap I stole. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's literally like there's two lines of things I wanted to tell Will, and there's one, two, three. There's six other lines of stuff I took. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I got to remember this. There's a running joke, and I think it's in possibly the next episode. Where, like, we find out how much gold you have versus how much everyone else has. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, that's how I sum up Azhag in my head. It's just, like, he's always quiet, but he's got way more stuff than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember if, if in-game that everyone was realized or else it was, uh, it was, um... Zach pointed out that he had listened to the individual episodes where I had like divulged how much stuff I had. To... Yeah, and I was like, "Oh shoot, I forgot I said that." <laughs> no, because in... I know that, and I think it's very funny. But Fennec still just trusts everyone and is like splitting up the money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, or so looking at my always... character sheet, I have like I don't know, I'm maybe thirty pounds as my character or something. And whatever that is, it's double that is how much I'm carrying. And you're like, <laughs> what are you carrying? <laughs> yeah, I got some sweet scrolls I'm about to sell too. So, yeah, that's oh, something cool. as a player. 
when I play D and D, I count arrows, I count bolts, I watch my weight, like all that little micro realistic play is very important to me. As mm. a DM, I was like, we can't do that. Like, I'm going to give you guys stuff that's just going to be heavier than you, and we're just going to have to pretend like it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, it's floating. Well, you back. also, you have the added bonus of not only DMing your first time, but now making a show about it and taking oh. that into consideration. <laughs> yeah. And you also, so because the Artificer, you got a bag of holding very early. Yeah, that's kind of, it still feels, I still feel bad for having it. It's such a, but what the that, Artificer in so many ways feels broken. Sometimes. But what that what that bag of holding does is it just makes life easier. Like, you're not counting right. anymore. It's in a void somewhere that you can go get it when you need it. All right, let's keep going. Let's get to cuddles. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah, so... Episode five and six, it says, after returning, you find out the Torchblade have been wreaking havoc and Nazvit sends you each to individually be trained. So uh, let's start with Fennec because you want to talk about cuddles. In episode five, I recorded uh, individual episodes with each of you and then we compiled them into one episode. And the point of this was to start expanding your backstory a little bit and also hit level three where almost every class starts getting extra stuff. This was my favorite episode so far. Listening or making? Uh, listening. Okay. Because hearing Dan and Courtney's was amazing. Mm. Like, it was fun making mine, but listening to them was just like, I also, it was a lot of fun. So I need to apologize to you. I think you were the last one I recorded. Yeah. And uh, Dan and I both have a thing where food gets caught in our throats a lot. Um, <laughs> and you just choke. You can breathe, but like you can't swallow and I had one really bad, like, 10 minutes before your episode. And I was oh, no. I was done. I almost called you. It was like, we're not recording. I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> oh, man. So when I was cutting episodes together, yours was, like, 10 minutes shorter than everyone else's. Because I was just like, we're done. <laughs> I just thought you were a lot more efficient. <laughs> and I was, I was like, listening. I went in and, um, well, I don't know. Well, you can do the synopsis. Like, mine didn't, felt like it didn't go very good character-wise. Like the yeah. thing I had built in there died twice. And I'm like, oh, well, shoot, that sucks. Yeah. So actually, um, so for your episode, you chose your artificer. And what was your subclass? Uh, Battlesmith. Battlesmith. So you get your Iron Defender, which is mm -hmm. which is like a very iconic thing for your class. It's a very. Which was my way of getting around you saying I couldn't have a wolf to ride on. Right. As a <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think what's really important to like show off the reason I, I hate players getting pets is that they they don't have health points and they die instantly. And then it's like a big drama thing. Right. With your iron defender, it's really cool because you can spend a turn and repair it. Yeah. Um, so that's why we killed so that twice. What, <laughs> that's what happened in mine. Um, the artificer, like Fennec was brought down by Nesvit to train more as an artificer. Mm-hmm. To really focus on it, read some books, and then I made a giant raccoon robot that did not have a name until the next episode. By the way, I had nothing in my mind. Yeah, and you kind of named it on the spot. <laughs> it was exactly on the spot. So I was like, "What's its name?" And I was like, uh, "Like I was just letting the the sounds fall out of my mouth until it sounded like a word." And cuddles happen. And I think it's very in, fitting. In that episode, we found out more about. Um, like Fennec's love of knowledge and reading and studying. Um, oh yeah, I guess that's where some background story did end up happening. Yeah, 
And I think that was really, really important because I think going forward, like that's something that Fennec can search for is more like knowledge based than power based or more knowledge than financial. Um, you did. It's so, awesome. Oh, was that? Go ahead. There you go. Oh, it was, uh, there was, uh, um, I don't remember if I made the choice or if it happened in the story, but it was like, it, there was a shift from smart loner guy to focus only on helping the team. Yeah. Sure. Happened around this point. Yeah, because there was a, a pretty big focus on the fact that like you had hurt your team a couple times and that the Iron Defender was your way of changing how you acted in battle. Yeah. Which is really cool. I also gave everybody an item during that episode, and I don't think you've used yours ever. I haven't. I, <laughs> I, I almost used it against... I won't spoil because you're going to share the synopsis, I almost use it against the last boss. Okay. To press them against the wall. But uh, then Courtney did some amazing stuff, and I didn't get to. <laughs> I think it was Courtney. Yeah, and I think it's good that you still have it. Like, we're not taking yeah. it away, and I think it will come in handy. Out of everyone, like, I gave... Courtney's was pretty straightforward, and Dan's was pretty straightforward. Yours was a little bit more, like, puzzle-based. Yeah. Because I knew Fennec was going to do a little bit less, like, straight damage. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I'm assuming you'll be able to use that in ways that I don't plan for, which is I have cool. not forgotten about it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. So I don't remember what order we record these in or how I presented them, but Courtney, you want to go next? Yeah. All right. So with Yola, we went and brought her down to like the bard school. There, there's also kind of a change of focus on who she was going to be. Sort of like Fennec, who he was changing how he was going to battle and be a part of the party. I think Yola was changing just kind of how she acted a little bit. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, part of her background is that she feels like she doesn't really fit into a classical definition of a school or is very team-oriented. Mm -hmm. And so that went into her decision-making during that episode. Yeah, and which subclass did we go with for you? Uh, to everyone else, she is in the College of Swords, but she decided to go with the College of Whispers. That's right, like yeah, the, because College of Swords is like a very standard, normal DPS-based bard, and I believe the Whispers is fairly new. I can't remember when that mm -hmm. came out. Um, but yeah, I like the idea that you're kind of into, because you use swords a lot. yeah. But definitely Whispers is a little bit weirder. And the way that I like to think of it is like a Hufflepuff that got like associated or shuffled into like sorted into Slytherin on accident. Yeah. That she doesn't know what all she's getting into. Um, but she just thought that it was cool that these were a bunch of loners who seemed like <laughs> they had their own thing going. That wasn't so public or entertainment. -focused. They even had like a little zine. Yes, that was so cool. More uh, indie. I love them. It was like Reggie from Rocket Power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's They're a deep like cut. <laughs> then, you you say the word zine, and you're telling me I'm not going to think about Reggie from Rocket Power. I That's don't the first even zine know. I ever learned about. <laughs> I don't even know what that reference is. I know what Rocket Power is. I don't even know who Reggie is. Woogity, woogity. This is our childhood. What are you talking I about? <laughs> I feel hurt. Was it one of the kids? She had a zine. Oh, she has the purple, purple hair girl? 
Yeah. yeah. She had, I didn't know if she had a Zine. She carted him out on her like little wagon thing. Yeah, Otto was all over it because he was dope. <laughs> I'll have to rewatch this. We'll need a Nickelodeon Plus it up one on day. the computer and stuff. And then, so your character got another item too, and it was this kind of magical sword, right? Mm-hmm. With a kind of like music box component in the hilt that gave her extra. I want to say it was. It's like another one attack power, right? Yeah, plus it's one. Plus one. But, but if I silence it, it makes it weaker, which yeah. is fun, ironically. Yeah, because, like, I think... I liked... Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, the way you use your items, like, everything becomes music, right? Like, the spoons. Right. Even the cowbell you use kind of differently. Right. And in any kind of situation where we should be quiet, she doesn't understand that she likes to make as much noise as possible. That's true. That has come up so. way more often than <laughs> I expected, which is, it's hilarious. It's, it's really good. What are the swords' names? Uh, Zing and Swish. Zing and Swish. That's so Onomatopoeia. <laughs> um, was there anything else that happened in that little mini episode for you? Or do you feel like you, your character grew any differently? Um, I I guess it was a continuation of what I understand her backstory to be that she's much more of a one-on-one type person and she wants people to feel like they have the tools that they can use to express themselves more so than understanding her greater role and what I understand to be that we're all kind of gearing up to fight against this power um, that we're going out to go and find um, she's more of a homebody type person mm-hmm. and so but she's happy to help and so she's I guess feeling really disoriented mainly at this point and will kind of come into her role soon yeah I think that's like the perfect explanation of it especially I think any other time you had had a bard show up so far will they were only used to like drive the workforce yeah inside yeah. of the forge right yeah mm-hmm in her episode, there was like some extra things, kind of like um, a focus on spies and a focus on entertainers. But like in the Forge, I think the way Nazvit sees them being useful is a way just to continue the Forge to be more productive. Right. And kind of like a militant vibe. Yeah. Like everybody's a group and they're structured for a particular reason. Yeah. Like the one in the Viking boat. The dun, 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 dun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have the invisible servant helper already or did you come up with that in this episode too Courtney I had that since the beginning but I haven't um gone into them on the show so far I've wanted to use them a time or two but haven't it didn't feel right similar to the tool that you have but they have their own kind of backstory too yeah I think you've introduced it enough where people are familiar that you have it and I think once we come up with or you come up with a time that it will work best It'll be like really um, rewarding. Oh, good! Yeah, I love the idea that's in like a little music box and it comes out. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan, your episode with Azhag. Um, we knew. I don't know how we knew. I don't know if it had been like in your backstory or how you were explaining your character, but that darkness was going to be really prominent in your ranger. So then we kind of created this story where you went into almost the underdark with another ranger and you picked up your new skills. Which subclass? Is it the Gloomstalker? Yeah. Which is really cool. That's a new one, too, that I wasn't familiar with, just like College of the Whispers. 
Um, why don't you explain a little bit, like, why you chose that? I think I have my thing either chaotic neutral or chaotic evil. Um, and so, like, just having kind of, like, a selfish character whose endeavors are kind of, like, uh, slightly leaning towards um, maybe more negative choices um, to kind of align. Because I, I guess it, earlier on, it was more of, like, a bloodthirst where I just wanted to kill everything. Mm-hmm. Um and then kind of looking at Gloomstalker was kind of like that dark, evil, to me, like mentality of being like, yeah, you know, going from the secrets and then just selfishly doing whatever they need to do to take care of themselves type thing. Yeah, and with Gloomstalker, you got a few really interesting abilities, uh, one of which allows you to attack twice in your first turn, right? <clears throat> yeah, well, three times because I'm level five now. So. Are we level five now? Oh, uh, wait, maybe not at that point when I got that. No, I don't think we are yet either. I think even in 8, I think we're level 4. Level 5 on D&D Beyond. Uh, let's figure that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I get a, an extra attack on the first one. But yeah, so like, I think level 3 to, or level, was it episode 5 or 6, you went, like, your DPS got boosted huge. Like, you were already yeah. doing good, but like now your character, you're definitely holding the DPS heavy for the whole party. Which is really interesting because um, that allows Fennec to do things that are a little bit more um, artificery. Yeah, like creative or extra and like a little more fun. And then Yola can try to be friends and try to do cool things with her swords and like take a little bit more risks maybe because they have you yeah. to be like, we know there's going to be at least like 15 damage done each turn, no matter what. Well, it was actually super funny too when. Um... Courtney had like her whisper stuff going on because I didn't listen to the individual episodes and I was like, "Wait, you're what?" And it was like, <laughs> it was mad funny in the one of the later episodes. I know she like popped out her stuff and I was very surprised. It was a similar surprise when I realized that Zach knew how much uh, stuff I had <laughs> stuff I had stolen. The way I saw it for a while though too is it was a bunch of us hanging out behind trees and hiding. Yeah, and so like one of us needed to be out. And like sword fighting, right? Because right now it's like right. we throw a spell or an arrow <laughs> from behind a tree. <laughs> and I think we've gotten lucky where like the guests have been that role, but you never know if a guest is going to come in and be like, I want to play also a bard. <laughs> and you're like, oh, <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> like I'm going to be a sorceress. You're like, oh, okay, cool. I guess whatever, you know. Yeah, it's been surprising too, like how who has heals at all? <clears throat> like, I, I have good berries. Yeah. Oh, that's true. But like none of you are healing focused and you guys have still like figured out how to kind of keep the party alive. Which is Yeah, I have a healing spell. I mean, is that more of a cleric thing typically? Or it was offered to me. Yeah, I think um There's a few classes. There's a few. Okay. But yeah, I mean it was really it's been good so far. I also think in this episode it was interesting because your character got a little bit darker, a little bit like I think we we'd said it was like emo. And then <laughs> Dan's character also did where it was like all of a sudden like we had Dan in the shadows being kind of dark and your character kind of being the College of Whispers and being dark and then Fennec made a mechanical raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I think is, is just really fun all around and adds to the goblin mentality. It's our different ways of coping with what's going on in our world. <laughs> yeah, which is like even more meta, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I always imagine... If I could speak to your characters for a second, like Azhag with Dan, like 
trying to look hard and be in the dark and cool all the time. But I can imagine there's like some reason he keeps pushing that. And then I'm just imagining Yola's going to snap and just like <laughs> just obliterate people, wipe out a whole room or just like a bar sometime. And like just play your spoons out, be like, see you later. <laughs> yeah, she might have an anger management problem. Somebody looks yeah. at her funny, and so she just, yeah. like, yeah, her and the yeah. invisible servant kill everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I will not be prepared for when that happens. <laughs> I feel like there's my characters, like, there's this weird, like, juxt- uh, juxtaposition of, like, the, the balance between. Like interactions in the non-fighting events, you have this person who's like real try-hard, like angsty emo teen dark boy, and then you like go into fighting, and then you're like, oh, but he actually does really murder everything. <laughs> but then you come back out, and you're like, yeah, but he's really cringy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I believe that was episode five. All right, so in episode six, we uh, played with David Roberts, and he played a character named Din. And this was after you guys all did your individual leveling. And the campaign prior, I gave a character that was below your level with um, Noah Marshall. Because he was like this teen who hadn't really experienced anything. And in this next one, I gave you guys um, Din, who was like a level five uh, paladin, I believe. And the idea with this was that you guys come back after saving uh, Red's father. Nazvit knows there's something going on. Gets you guys extra trained, and when you finish training, you guys are ready to go and check out like what he's been watching. And what that looks like in episode six is that Samal or Samle, I can't remember how we pronounced it, um, the local city that has all the embassies of the different nations, the Puxi had been like kind of kicked out, murdered, and taken out of that city. And it's your job to go and see if the like who's in the embassy left, almost like a rescue mission. Um, mm-hmm. But you guys don't know what you're rescuing. Uh, and that was kind of the idea with Dave's characters. Like Dave knew, I gave him a backstory. Like he knew what was in the bottom of the embassy. He knew why you guys were going, um, but you guys didn't need to know yet. So there could be like a little bit of a surprise. Um, in this episode, you guys kind of get in, you walk along the wall, you eventually find two rocks, another store of this franchise. Rather than going through the front door, you guys ask if there's a back door. I say yes. And you're like, who's in there? I was like, no one. It's just like a storeroom. So you guys steal everything. Except that was, me. That I was, paid what I had. That okay. was uh, a very highly pushed by Azhag for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely my my endeavor. Yeah, it's true. And I think the only thing Yolo took was like healing potions. Um, and I paid like coppers for them. Yeah, I think I, I think Fennec left like six copper, but he took like a lance and a shield. I remember yeah. being in there and like the second everybody's like, yes, we also take stuff. Like there was it just it, me as not a player, as a person was a little <laughs> joyful because I was like, yes, they come to the dark side. Yes, Yola doesn't care about money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it made like I, I still think it made sense in every sense of the thing it's just like it, none of it seemed yeah none of it was out of character it all made sense yeah yeah um, that kind of goes towards that thing of like i didn't plan for you guys to do that i planned on it just being like another store that you guys didn't need but i want two rocks to have a presence in all these cities like i didn't even expect I you guys did. to go in because last time you guys didn't go in at all <laughs> right yeah. so, but yeah. now we no, all we, need stuff. we won't go in your store uh but then we will go in and then we'll just yeah. steal stuff you'll rob those nerds <laughs> Is this all in a like 
like a reference to the fact that you sell digital goods online and no. anything you buy that's digital will be stolen? So it all, that no. <laughs> oh. Because if people ask me, I'd probably just give it to them for free. <laughs> like I've done that a lot. So um, no, but it happened. There was like one of those like 30 day challenges where I was doing D&D potions. And then every, oh, yeah. every picture I put out, I put a little fact about this guy who ran the store Two Rocks. So there's oh, like nice. a really, if you guys find it, like there's a really dense history of like who runs it and um, like why was does it exist. Who was in the front of the store when we stole stuff? One of uh, his cousins. Daggummit. <laughs> but what you're saying is we not only stole your goods, we also stole this humongous backstory that you had planned. <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is but that's, that's like D&D, right? Like Zach came up with a big thing for Fennec and I was kind of like, we'll fit some of it in. Yeah, you know, I'm like, imagining he's going to be pushing like a car through the desert in some upcoming episodes or something. Oh, like, we'll, there's, <laughs> we'll all, there's, there's already backstory that about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing though is that like it, like well, being a proper DM and you can even kind of see as it progresses from like the first episode towards this episode, like you have to let the players dictate the storyline. Absolutely, and like you're creating a world for them to play in, and then if they pick a route, you're like. That's why, like, I'm, you know, I've been in DMing in the past. It's like, it's so frustrating because you'll sometimes have a character that you're so pumped on. You're like, this guy's the best. It's going to be so great. They're going to interact with him like this. And they were like, yeah, we don't even go in there. Bye. Yeah, and then they move it. on to the next thing. And you're like, and you can't be like so attached to it that you're going to be like, yeah. you know, and like, what, what is nice about D&D is that, like, say there's, you know, a character that, your players never interact with you're like all right well i can shove him in somewhere else like he will get some play oh yeah <laughs> and there's definitely like buildings and stuff that you'll like repurpose if they don't go to it there's enemies that i had prepared that you guys interact with and i have like their stats and like cards and stuff like ready for later there's a lot of reusing and reskinning for DD. where do we go after two rocks so we robbed we steal two rock stuff right and then i this is the first episode i gave you guys like a visual tool um, yeah. with the map cool. where you got to see like the flags of all the different nations on Joski. Um, and you kind of saw like by the size of their territory and flag, like who was more prominent and how Torchblade and Pooksy were kind of like right next to each other. But you guys kind of went back down to the embassy. Um, Azhag for the first time was like running on roofs a lot and like killing from above. Um, Din wanted to do, I can't remember what spell it was, Oh, it was like to sense evil or not? I was like, bro, they're evil. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so funny. <laughs> he was like, yeah, but I just want to make sure. He was like really trying to push you yeah. the spell. And you were like, you're like, you're good, man. You're good. I, felt, <laughs> I felt the worst for him because that happened a few times. And I was just like, I want it to work. But like, they're obviously evil. Um, you guys kill Torchblade. You struggle to get their bodies inside before anyone sees. You kill more Torchblade. But you get into the Oh, end that was such a funny scene. <laughs> people inside <laughs> where we were dragging the bodies yeah <laughs> so funny um but like, when you get into the embassy it's different right because it's a little bit more professional it's like a it's a tool that pooksy been using and is now destroyed because of the torch blade and like the flags everywhere have been torn down but you make your way into the back and there's like a ever going staircase down further and further and further and you're kind of going through all these levels you guys kill a giant barbarian of a man and that's the part I felt worse about because Din casts a spell, something um, like uh, Crown of Thorns or something, and it made them go crazy and attack other and like their their allies. But he was there alone, so like the spell doesn't do anything. 
So we kind of came up with a way for like it to make sense and to be fun. And cause like, that's our goal, right? It's like, whatever you guys want to do, we're just going to try to make fun. Um, you guys go down, you find a, um, dragon egg broken, but I called it a shell. And that was like a whole thing. <laughs> cause I don't know English, but, uh, English is tough. English is tough. But as you go further and further down, you get into like this big basement of an area where you guys see a brass dragon and a few uh, mages, and one of the, the head like priest is shooting a black beam from his body into the dragon and is morphing this brass dragon into a black dragon. Um, you guys eventually kill that mage. Dan, did you kill him with one of your arrows? The He was one of the, what's it called? The torch blade, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Whatever I, whatever the big baddie was that was them, I was like, yeah, get one of these. Yeah, because what we forgot to say was like with your character, we gave you, I believe it was three arrows of slang or bolts of slang, we're calling them. Um, Are the check. torch blade corrupting the animals the whole time? No. <laughs> okay, good. I was like, I just said that thing 10 minutes ago and you looked at me with a straight face and let me say it. And now you're, well, he's corrupting the dragon? Okay. <laughs> I can say like everything I've written is to add pieces to something bigger. Like I knew the okay. I knew the finish before I knew the beginning. So all That's these how little, all great stories are written. Yeah, right? So all right. these little things are getting there. But you guys kill him. I believe Dan uses the bolt of slang and like just destroys him because bolt of slang does so much damage. Yeah. On top of how much damage I already do. Yeah. <laughs> um you He's guys, only got two left, right? Yeah. I don't know. I have to check my inventory. I don't remember how many you gave me. It was three or five. Yeah, we'll find out. It's yeah. definitely you're keeping track though, because I've been making sure yeah, too. I have it listed on my sheet. Yeah, but you guys eventually kill all of the mages because they're kind of just squishy, except for the main one. Um, <laughs> you see a pedestal in the back where you put your orb into, and the entire embassy slides off into the marketplace area, leaving a giant hole above you. Because the way you guys were going down, it was like tunnels that kind of spiraled. So the idea is that you guys were going down and in between the stairs was like just a giant channel going up. You guys ride the dragon up and out. And as you're exiting the city, uh, a ballista bolt comes out, strikes the dragon and kills uh, Dave's character Din in one swoop, which brings us to episode seven. So this is where things change a little bit, right? Because we gave Yola a little dream sequence thing. And I liked how you said it before, um, I can't remember exact wordings, but it was you kind of talked about being like lost in your own, like the culture of your people mm-hmm. because, and I think that's what I was trying to play into with this idea. Like you're in a dream sequence of like being in a city, but there's no one else there. Yeah. She was freaking the heck out. <laughs> yeah. And it was like really cool because you got to explore your character a little bit more, but like everyone got to see kind of like how Yola would react to things <laughs> where she doesn't have her friends there. Mm-hmm. You find out it's a dream because um, Andrew Sales' character, Tax, comes in and wakes you up. As he wakes you up, there's a dead dragon on the ground with Din hanging off the ballista bolt on top. Fennec is in a tree. Azhag is over in the corner broken. And at this moment, you guys lose all contact with Midten, right? You have no idea what Midten's like. Uh, Your communication ring is now broken. And your orb that was powering your cart is still in the basement of the embassy. And it's, I kind of want you guys to feel like completely detached from what you you were relying on in the past. Did that come across at all? Oh, yeah, for I think sure. We felt yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me as a player. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, 
eventually tax brings you guys over into like this little hole under a tree and you see a whole bunch of goblins where I pull in a little bit of the backstory that Zach gave me. And um, what's the city name? Duford. Duford. I was going to say Dunn. I was like, that's not right. Um, Duford, all the goblins are in there. And then you find out that Duford has been ransacked very similarly to how the agricultural village you guys saved was ransacked. That felt like a shortcoming in improv for me. Because like I didn't know how to react, but then I realized that that probably made the most sense. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> there's like a few things that go on, right? It's like all of a sudden you find yeah. out like you don't know if your parents are okay or not. Like you don't know where they are because they're not here. You find out like you were able to save the other village because you were there, but you weren't in your home, so you couldn't save them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like getting lost at the supermarket. <laughs> find somebody. And the supermarket's on fire and well, yeah. yeah well and, and on top took all your toilet paper but yeah. <laughs> on top of all of this though like you guys are helpless now right yeah. like you had just been like taken out of the air by ballista bolt this dragon you had been rotting is dead in an instance and you're kind of running this goblin who was like three levels higher than us is dead yeah <laughs> right to, uh, at that point. yeah and i will say as horrible as finnick feels about blowing up everybody in that town with the fire spell yola feels really horrible for not being able to adequately comfort finnick when he was feeling horrible because she's supposed to be a bard (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that was a good that was a great scene though i while we were playing it i felt like it was dead and there was nothing happening and then listening back to it maybe it was the music you did or andrew's improv yeah, Andrew like... was really great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He blew me away. I was really surprised. Every, I feel like all of our guests, every time we get into it in the beginning, I'm like, oh, we'll see how this goes. And then I'm always like, wow, they're, they really did really well. You know, did really well. Yeah, and I'm really happy yeah. like how you guys handle it, too, because all these people have never played before, and you're, you're, you help pull them in, which is really great. I think only I – think, I think Andrew had played in the past, and I know I so. Steph had. But um, Dave had never, and Noah had just started like real briefly with his family. I would have never known. They mm-hmm. they all did so good. Yeah, their character voices. Yeah, <laughs> character oh, voices yeah. are my favorite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh boy, we'll talk about that later. Maybe. What was Andrew definitely had a voice, but I can't remember what it was. It was like it was he like was New based- Yorker. Yes, yeah. I hadn't asked him, but it felt like he was trying to do something similar to mine. It sounds in, like in your yeah. goblin voice. Okay. That's what it felt sure. like. Because he had gone back and he told us he had gone back and listened to everything. He was to that point. He was sending me questions and I was like, wait, are you on episode like four right now? And he's like, yeah, I'm listening to him. I was like, what are you talking about? And he was making references to like jokes we had made in oh, other yeah. episodes and stuff like that. So yeah, he I, it felt like his voice was trying to get close to what we had been doing. Yeah, that makes total sense. I didn't think about that, but it makes total sense. So you guys are in the basement. You find out that like there's people from your old town that are kind of healing up and hiding because they went to the embassy to look for help and they had to leave because the town was ransacked. Um, Tax says that he knows that there's a tunnel that goes north, which kind of gets you towards where you he saw that train leave with your people, which I don't know if I adequately explained that when we were playing. This idea that like, the train that you guys had stopped last time, one very similar to it, was going north towards the Lone right. Peak. Yeah. Um, and then the episode seven and eight, 
I wanted to feel very classic D and D, where you were in just a dungeon of like endless turns. Um, so you guys get down there. It's very wet. There's a battle with um, allergy sprites, ten of them, which lasted way too long. And if you go back, I believe it's episode seven. Um, I fast forwarded through a whole bunch of it because it was like a forty five minute fight with little sprites that did no damage. <laughs> um, They're sticky. But live and learn, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, last night I was talking to Will, and he's like, so how long do you think that uh, that algae fight took? I was like, I don't know, like eight minutes? He was like, it, was like, it was over an hour. I was like, what? He, he asked me, and I guess 30 minutes. So yeah, we had no idea what was... No, and I was was I, I was editing it. I was like, it's gotta be almost over. And then I like I just like skipped through and I was like, there's like a half hour more. It's still going. <laughs> um so yeah, I saved you guys all from that if you go back and listen. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um <laughs> so yeah, in this little underground cave, I wanted to create a culture of people who are also running away from the torch blade. So all these things that would have lived in the woods kind of were ran below. Uh, very similar to how in Lord of the Rings, the Ents hate the orcs because the orcs keep burning down their woods. I wanted the people in this area to feel kind of like that. And because I'm not super creative, um, there were Ent-like people in the cave, <laughs> which you guys interact with. Um, I think Yola got to, like, for the first time, actually talk to what could have been an enemy and talk down that situation, which is pretty cool. Usually nice. you guys would have just, like, cut through him or at least tried to. Um, he was freaking me out, though. He was pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. I remember giving uh, giving Courtney a break. I remember being like, I like had loaded a bolt. Was like, let's go. And she was like, let me talk to him. I was like, fine, you know, like. And there was a little he, like forest fern dog that played yeah. with cuddles. It was a pretty adorable moment. <laughs> Until Fennec got picked up, like, and I was like, well, this was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I wanted to see like oh, how far finished. you guys would like try to push this guy who like obviously had no patience for you, but also didn't care enough to just kill you. Um, so you guys eventually talk him into letting you into like this little town area where these people... What have been... was it? Well, we just said Torchblade, right? Just mentioned that, and he... I think it was something like that, yeah. yeah. Like, you were like, we just need to get through because we're trying to, like, attack the Torchblade or something. And he was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so you guys eventually get in. And then Courtney really wants to use like the disguise kit to make like a bark outfit. And I was just like, no, that can't happen. Like, I'm not gonna let that happen. You have to have like a sp- you have to have like a spell or something like disguise self to like, do it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> so you guys do a very like retro cartoon stack on top of the raccoon, and I like to call it Muppet Man. Yeah, we it's went like little rascals Muppet. trying to go into the yeah. whatever you know. Which fingers crossed we will have an illustration and possible stickers made when this comes out. Cause I have Shauna Parmesan from Instagram drawing this whole scene. And she does a really cool kind of like Disney S style. So I'm, I'm very pumped on it. She should be working on it yeah. right now as we record this. So that's cool. When you were talking in the chat about that, I was, and I literally said, I was like, what are you talking about? Cause I forget literally everything oh, yeah. and no response. Nobody responded to me asking what we Sorry. were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so that was, now I'm remembering that whole, the whole shtick. Yeah, and we were on top of the raccoon. I just remember, <laughs> um, for people who don't know, if you're listening to this, we all have a video chat, and we're recording our audio locally, and we'll edit together. Thank you, Will, for doing that. You do a great job. We appreciate you. <laughs> um, but 
I've watched your face just watching you when Andrew was like suggesting it and Courtney was going along with it. And then Dan was like, I have disguised self. <laughs> you were just <laughs> like, like oh. I think it, you literally face palmed <laughs> at one point. So, You're like, fine, roll for it. Let's. Yeah. Which Mike rolls never fail. It's yeah. really good that you guys did that. Cause it would have been a pretty big battle in there. Like these guys weren't easy to cut through. But then we started stealing from them, and it was so... I was like, yeah, we did it. All we have to do is walk across that street to that door over there, and we're good to go. But nope, we go down into the store and start stealing scrolls. Yeah, I can't remember. Was it Tax whose hand went out and like started pulling stuff <laughs> yeah, off the like... table? <laughs> yeah. In your plan, did you expect there to be a giant brawl between the townsfolk and us? It was definitely like a possibility. So I had planned the allergy attack to be like four rounds because they had like zero health. You guys just couldn't do damage. And I expected this to be like the real like crux of the episode was like this interaction in this town of like killing these tree people. Mm -hmm. Um, Something you guys found out later, I believe. I can't remember exactly, but um, they're all. uh, I think we're pushing an episode eight. If anybody's going to go back and listen. Oh yeah. Episode eight now. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah. <laughs> they were all vulnerable to fire. So if you guys figured that out, it would have been much easier to cut through them. There was a chest in there that you couldn't break through without using fire. So like there was little hints of like these tree people using like your slashing and bludgeoning might be hard. But if you started using like magic, I gave you guys oil so you could like set fire to them. Um, oh. Which you guys we would have never figured that out. By well, the I way. think you guys did eventually because I, I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys, gave us honey. <laughs> Right, because I wanted that to be traded. And then I think it was um, Andrew was like, oh, this is a political podcast, <laughs> a pro-B podcast. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody's not pro-B, stop listening. We don't yeah, we want, yeah, just we want get right out of here. Pro-B fans. pro-B listeners. <laughs> so you guys eventually make your way through the town. You guys get a couple scrolls. You sell some of the stuff you didn't need. I can't remember exactly like all the battles that were in there, but you attack... Um, uh, I can't remember the monster. It was like a big hairy monster that was behind a wall, which I expected that oh, to be. Oh, no, before before that. What was before uh, that? Just, we went trash. to the dump. To oh, the that's trash right. After we snuck past the guard. Yes. I, I remember this part because it was rough. I took It was rough for me. Then we got attacked by like garbage. Oh, the mud mythids. Yeah, like, like flying garbage like monsters. Like little demon mud monsters. And they killed Cuddles. Right, because Cuddles jumped right into the garbage pit where they were all living. Yeah, um, yeah, that was fun because that was also yeah. like your characters acted like I thought they would. Like they made sense for the raccoon to jump in there. It was stupid, right? Yeah. But it makes sense. <laughs> so you guys get through that. You get through like this bigger in uh, battle. You eventually kill a whole bunch of stuff and get your way outside of the cavern, where you, it opens up like a huge scene of outdoors. It's now morning because you guys had been traveling through night. And outside, you see a giant grass plain in front of you to the west. And, like, um, wrapping around the plains, there's a desert. To the east, you see the ocean that surrounds Joski. And then all the way north, you see, like, the silhouette of the Lone Peak, which is where we believe the Torchblade are. And I believe, oh, the other thing you see is overhead, there's a group of griffins, like, high up, flying towards the peak. And that's where we left off on the last episode, episode eight. Blum, blum. Mm. We did it. 
yeah. full review. That was a full <laughs> recap of what we spent the last, I don't know, four months making, five months making. Yeah. yeah. I would say, like, even when every time, I'm always excited to play, but, like, just with my lack of memory of life in general, I always, like, forget of the background. So this whole, like, revamp and uh, refresh was very interesting to me. <laughs> it was like I was playing it all over again, like, because everybody else, like, remembers everything that went on. And I'm like, oh, right, that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> So things are going to change quite a bit, and that's the reason I want to do this recap. Um, something I've showed you guys was the beginning of a, a map of the region. Yeah. And it's going to be way more like free, where you guys are going to get to choose kind of where you go. Um, it's going to kind of, I think, feel kind of Zelda-y, where every little area is going to have its own little boss and items that you get from it, all things to help you later eventually go and kind of attack the Torchblade base. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting because I'm not going to tell you guys like which regions are harder or easier. So just be like, you'll get to it and it'll be like, let's see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. Or you'll it'll be up to you to try to figure out how to know which one's easier or not. Like maybe there'll be ways that you guys can kind of figure that out before you go. Like if there's a potion store before we go, we should <laughs> maybe probably... buy something. Yeah. So I guess the way I want to wrap this up, because I think we've been recording for a bit, is kind of like what your thoughts on the storyline so far are, kind of like what your expectations or hopes are. Um, are you guys excited as you now enter and kind of we're going to enter this second stage of the campaign? I am. It feels like we're at the midpoint where we're just going to head up to some high, and I'm nervous to see what that challenge is that'll bring us back to a low before we maybe kind of wrap it up. And we hadn't talked about this before, but I know eventually, like most good stories, it will have an ending. Like, how are you kind of seeing that? Like, are, are we you hoping to do seasons of the show, different arcs? We're we're probably about a a fourth of the way through this one. You think? Maybe a third. Um, okay. I'm, the way I've got this thought out, I want to hit you guys around level twelve to fifteen before we finish, which okay. I think is cool because a lot of campaigns don't get that high your characters start doing like really cool stuff once you start getting to those points. So we can just start having like an obscene amount of fun, just doing crazy stuff. Um, it also allows like the creatures to get gnarly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once we finish that, then we'll just like have to figure it out. I'm down. The way I've written this campaign is if we like Joski and like what this campaign is, there's four or five different nation stories going at once. It's like if we finish the Pooksie and we're like, you guys will see how the nations might like interact. Then you could we could start over again and play it from a different nation's point of view, which would be like a totally different, like your characters would have different goals than the Pooksie would. Um, I believe in the next episode, we're going to start introducing another nation, maybe two. Right now, okay. it's been pretty much just you guys and the Torchblade. But on that, the, the Samol, Samle map, you saw probably six. Um, yeah. Right. So there's a few and of those. There... Oh, go ahead. No, what's that? Or was there opportunity to kind of talk to them at the embassies? You definitely from... could have tried. Yeah. So yeah. each one had their own embassy. Um, it would have been risky because like you don't know who's friendly, who's not. Right, right. now, you know Torchblade aren't. Um, <laughs> when you guys went to the fishing village, like people didn't treat you bad, but they also didn't treat you good, right? Right. Um. But yeah, you okay. could have. And that's not like that's going to be your last chance. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a few nations that I want to focus on more, so we'll get them in sooner than later. I think on my end, it was just very interesting, especially for you two that are being new players to D&D, um, to see, like, even the arc of understanding and the way you're playing your characters from the beginning to the end. I think it's, like, we're at a good spot now where you guys have, like, a way better handle on what's going on. Yeah. I don't have to ask what each role is anymore. Right. Well, and even on even beyond that of, like, like, being able to hold back when you realize that maybe it's not your time to be doing stuff and let somebody else show up and, and then or like vice versa or being like no this this is my moment to shine you know yeah and then on top of that like it's even been cool because then we have some people that come in as guests that are new and that's when i like sitting back i can really see the difference of like them even mm-hmm. though they're like been great and awesome between you guys like you know, our first episode, everybody was kind of, like, even playing. And now I'm like, okay, now we have, like, a decent amount of group of people that, like, know what's going on and somebody else can come in. And everybody helps them rather than just being, like, Will trying to walk them through every part of it. So it's been cool. Well, I appreciate awesome. that. Yeah. That's cool. I agree. And I think that's why this recap is kind of important, right? Because we don't want people to have to go and listen necessarily to every single episode. Though if you want to, you should. Yeah, um, I agree. I feel like we're at a point now where like we're all playing better. I'm doing better for sure. I think than I was the first couple episodes. I um, think it's going to be really cool going forward. Now that Dan and Corey, they're going to get character voices every episode. I nope. think that's really going to make the show. <laughs> I refuse. Never. I'm going to, I'm going to start naming. I'm going <laughs> to name NPCs without using the letter N in the beginning. Oh, we're going to move to you. O's. We're gonna look, I, I, I'd rather one. be, I'd rather continue to be confused. So <laughs> it wasn't a problem until I was confused. Also, <laughs> Cor- <laughs> you were like, wait, who? Uh, also, Courtney started to talk more, which was dope. Yeah. Like, yeah. like jump in and be like, Ooh, this is my time. <laughs> like, yeah. That has been really cool. It's been great. Especially, well, like, the last three episodes. Oh, good. You were telling me the first couple episodes that ever I was doing my character voice, Dan um, said this meme of who he thought that my voice sounded like. And that was a highlight for me. It was, like, the Monstars after they oh, yeah. <laughs> shrank down. Nice. Space Jam. I'll just embrace it. Music. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's, that has that's been the, the interesting uh... thing. I've had to show emotion in all in in like this funny voice that you make up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very bad at voices, like, so I appreciate when you guys do a good job. I feel like mine's different every other episode. <laughs> You're like, what was? That? I feel like it also is different every other episode. <laughs> <laughs> we do our best, but I think that's totally fine. Like, your character acts the same. That's what's important. There you go. Um, I don't have a lot of other thoughts about the storyline directly but for the story process another thing you told us will before we started Mm -hmm. at least courtney and i is that you didn't think you were going to be very funny or creative with the story Mm. it's proven to be the exact opposite of that i've written some very funny scenarios and given us opportunities and the creativity is through the roof so good i'm glad shut up you're wrong (laughs) you You are funny your your humor is easy to build off of so it's been like fun being able to like riff off each other good teamwork but um i'm excited to see where it goes forward from here yeah i think it should be fun i think we're gonna try some new stuff too so keep your eyes out for that um next episode i believe is gonna be a non-campaign episode is that right zach we're gonna try to do that still the plan that was the Go ahead. I was going to say the plan originally was that 
in two weeks, we were supposed to be in Columbus, Georgia at Creative South, and we were going to do um, kind of like a live play with some friends down there all in person instead of doing it over over the internet. Um, but that got canceled because of the coronavirus. So we're going to try to keep that up and do it still, but we're going to do it online with some fun. And then what are we going to play, Zach? We're going to play a new role-playing series or um, a new role-playing uh, role set by this guy named TC who works at Verge and Vox Media called Quest. Uh, it's a rules light RPG system, uh, kind of similar to the Apocalypse Now Monster of the Week setup. Uh, not a lot of stats. There's only one dice roll you do, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a it's a good introduction system to yeah. people new to tabletops. And then you're going to be kind of GMing that one. Yeah. So the next episode you guys see, which will be kind of I believe our episode ten. Um, will be Zach GMing with a new guest and doing kind of a impromptu Creative South makeup. Hopefully, it won't be too bad. I'm sure it'll be a, a blast. <laughs> hey, and I get to I get to that's true because you aren't weren't going to come to Creative South, and now none of us are going to work. Yeah, and it's also just Georgia, right? It's really far. Yeah, coronavirus yeah. was actually my big plan to make you guys have to play with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all me. Oh no, quick, cut that out. Don't let anyone know. Don't let me... <laughs> oh, sweet. Sorry, somebody's breaking down my door right now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode. I hope you enjoyed this little recap. For people who might be listening to this first time, I'm glad that you guys could hear everything in a succinct manner. Feel free to go back and listen to the past episodes. But every two weeks, we'll have a new one. So we will see you guys in two weeks. Bye. 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 Bye.